Hey there, I'm Amy Hare and welcome to my podcast. This is the podcast that you come to if you are looking for true inspiration and motivation in your life. I will be sharing stories of people who have been through significant traumas, who have been through hardship, adversity and really deep challenges in their lives and who have chosen to look at those things as an opportunity to create success in their life. I really hope you enjoy listening in. On today's episode, I chat with a Townsville local who I actually know from um, Touch Rugby League and uh, he he hit me up to um, be recorded and when I asked him what his story was, I was blown away by what he's been through in such a short amount of time. He's quite young still. Um, I spoke with Tristan Nellyman adams He has a really, really interesting story and he's doing some really inspiring things with Indigenous youth here locally in Townsville. So um, definitely one worth listening to and I'm sure we're going to see a lot more from him in the very near future. I am joined by a very special guest tonight. Um, he's uh, actually, uh, before I kind of intro him all together, he's, this is one person who's hit me up and gone, I want to be on your podcast. <laughs> and then told me, and then told me, <laughs> and then told me he was a huge fan of it. So, you know, I almost had to uh, had to get him on at some point. Um, but he does have a really fascinating story. So, I have Tristan Nellyman Adams joining me today. Thank you so much for uh, sharing some time with me. That's all right. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I have asked Amy once or twice. <laughs> Look, you know, I'm not going to tell everyone how much you paid me to get you on here, but <laughs> so Tristan, um, you know, as I do with everyone, I, I find out, you know, what's what's your story? And we've had a little bit of a teensy weensy chat ab- about, you know, what you've been through in life and, and you've kind of told me a little bit of it, but um, I kind of really, you know, want to get to the deep stuff. So, you know, what what's life been like? What was your childhood like? Yeah, look, so I am a proud Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander man, first off off the bat. So um, I am born and raised um, throughout the Torres Strait on a little island called Thursday Island. So for those who don't know, Torres Strait is located in between the tip of Cape York and Papua New Guinea. There's a big uh, mass of water. There's about 237 islands there. And the main capital of the Torres Strait is called Thursday Island. Uh, population about you know 2000 very laid back lifestyle um, kind of similar to like Fiji really nice blue crystal waters fishing is insane people are laid back you know very very cruisy lifestyle Um, and I was born and raised there and then done all my schooling there and I've done a few other things but that's where my journey kind of starts is um you know I'm a laid back you know tough kid from the Torres Strait um, that's very cruisy in life um, and just very, very, you know, humble in where I've come from and where I'm doing. And what everything I do from, I, everything, everything I do within, you know, my life, I do it for my people back up in the country. So what was it like living there? What was it like growing up there? Yeah, no, it was, it was good. It was really cruisy. It's very laid back. So, like, say, if you got to, so say, some side at 8 o'clock and you got to 8 o'clock, it probably hasn't even started yet <laughs> because it's that late. <laughs> and I remember I got my licence up there. Um, in order to get my licence, I drove the police officer from the police station to the bakery. He got a pie and then he drove him back and he's up, yep, you passed. So, um, very, very nice lifestyle of beautiful people up there. <laughs> Very beautiful culture is very, very strong culturally. So um, growing up at the Torres Strait, I was very, very proud um, as an Indigenous person to know and learn my culture from a very young age. So I still, you know, speak 
um, the languages today. I still do the practice the dances today. And I'm honored, I guess, that I was taught to me and now I can be able to pass that on to, um, you know, people I work with, little kids that I'm involved with, little people um, within the community. So, um, you know, growing up in Toshra is nice. It was very nice. You know, I couldn't have had a very more humble upbringing. Um, you know, my dad was a police officer up there. Yeah. So he um was it you know, your dad that you drove to the pie shop or one of his mates? <laughs> nah, Is that why you got your license? Fine, he was my <laughs> uncle. Was my <laughs> uncle. <laughs> you know, I was, uh, fingers crossed I was never gonna fail. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but you know, dad was a police officer up there, mum worked at the local courthouse. So um, you know, life was good. I've got an older brother, you know, he's two years older than me, a younger sister, she's four years old, uh, younger than me. So I was kind of a middle child, you know. Um, but I guess the only thing to do up in the Torres Strait is either fishing um, or play sport. So um, I grew up as a vivid, vivid rugby league player. Love my rugby league, love my athletics. Who's your favourite team, just quickly? Yeah, just it, growing up, Cowboys, as of yeah. 2020, of Panthers. <laughs> so I'm very stoked. Did you um, say as of 2020? Yeah. <laughs> so Hang um, on. No, hang on. We need to talk. We need to talk. This deserves some airspace, right? Yeah. So you were Cowboys until what, 2019, and then you just ditched them? No, I still like them. But uh, yeah, I like styles of players, I guess. So, you know, uh-huh. so people love how, you know, different people play or people love how different people go about do different things. I love the Penrith Panthers players because they're all young or fresh. Ah, okay. Have a bit of, you know. A bit of go amongst them. They're all this connects to your story, right? Because yeah. they they've all played together for so many, like since juniors. Most yeah. of them, like thirteen of the grand final players this this year, have played together exactly. since juniors. Like I saw a thing the other day with Jerome Luai and Nathan Cleary. They started playing when they were twelve together, and now they're New South Wales halves and Premiership halves. So, oh, wow. you know, I love them. They've got a bit of swagger amongst them, a bit of arrogance, but that's that's just how the new generation is. That's how they roll. Look, we won't tell any Cowboys players if they happen to be listening that you ditched them in 2019 for another team. We just, we won't, we won't, you know. Oh, sorry, boys. So, <laughs> so okay, let's go back. Um, so you're, you're an avid football player. Yeah. Athletics. Yeah, so I grew up playing, you know, rugby league from a very young age uh, where we actually lived. Um, we lived right across the road from the only rugby league football oval. Um, oh, wow. In the island, so... Every day, guarantee, after school, there'd be about 100 kids just playing touch footy, you know, playing, um, passing the footy around, you know, playing tackle, just hanging out like kids do back in the day. Um, they would just hang out down the footy oval, you know, every day, guaranteed from about, you know, 3.30 to as soon as the sun went down and everyone went home. That's what I'd do every afternoon, just play rugby, kick the footy around, you know, always had a footy in my hand, you know, always wore footy clothes to school because back then we didn't really have uniforms so we would just wear whatever I'd always wear a cowboy shirt or whatever so um love rugby league growing up I was a very gifted sprinter early on in my days so I was very um lucky enough to represent Queensland um sprinting yeah so 100 meters what was your best time uh, as a for anyone listening they know that I'm a sprinter (laughs) you saw competitive nature coming out when I was 12 years old, that was when my peak primeness. <laughs> uh-huh. I came second in Australia and I hit about 11.9. Ah, you got me by 0.3. Yeah, yeah for a 12-year-old, that's pretty insane. So, um, wow. yeah, so I was very lucky enough from through, you know, 
athletics and all that to be able and rugby league to be able to see a lot of the world and so on a lot of the country a lot of queensland i travel you know most years for um regionals and states and then nationals i was very lucky enough to go to i made both queensland for rugby league and queensland for athletics so um you know i i was very lucky very humble like you know my parents worked very hard and able to give me all the opportunities you know i worked very hard on myself i remember from early Early age, I'd go and do beach sprints. So I'd always be doing extra footy over, you know, little things that a lot of kids won't do on the island. And, um, you know, I was not very good academically, but I thought, you know, I'm, I love sports. So there's one what thing I'll do is I'll hustle and work hard. What do you think it was that instilled that that drive and determin- determination in you in such a young at such a young age? I think, um, look, I don't know. I think I just wanted, I wanted it more. I wanted more than anything to play rugby league or you know once I came really fast um I wanted to just see how fast I could actually get and really test myself against the best people in Australia because you know take in mind like I loved rugby league and I love athletics but at the end of the day I was just a kid in the Torres Strait you know we didn't really have much resources you know my main coaches were my was my HP teacher um at school and you know he you know didn't he was good, but, you know, he wasn't as good as, you know, what some of the kids are having in New South Wales, on ACT, where they go into AIS camps and stuff like that. Yeah. People had red tracks, people had spikes. For a lot of my athletics career, I just ran barefoot and I'll just run barefoot. It wasn't until I was about 12 years old and I went down to Tasmania or from Hobart. So imagine that a skinny little kid I going from Australia all the way down to Tasmania. Yeah. Um, and when I was getting down there, it was cold and it was freezing. Um, the sun went down like 11 o'clock at night, just little random things. And when I get there, and they're like, oh, where's your spikes? You can't run a bare foot. So, you know, all these kids had already had a, an advantage over me and mum had to go to Rebel Sport. I just bought these shoes like a day before and I'd go out and I'd run and I'd blitz them all. So, wow. you know, those little things, you know, I did the best I could and yeah. I did the best of all the resources I had. And at the end of the day, like I said earlier on, is that all I was doing? I just want to represent my people. I just want to represent home. You know, if I come last, I come last. If I, you know, we played footy for Queensland and we finish, you know, we didn't win second. We come, we didn't win. We come second. It doesn't matter. I still represented it, and I put my island on the map. So um, that's all that was ever drove me growing up was that I just wanted to make sure I did the best for my people, the best for my family. I did the best for my island, which is and, and I did the best for. Um, which is what drives me a lot um, yeah. now in life is just when I want to give back to everyone that's instilled in me. So, you know, growing up, vivid sports, love rugby league, love athletics. So you, you, what age did you leave Thursday Island? Because you, so, you, you live in Townsville. Yes, I live in Townsville now. So what happened was um, I just came back from representing uh, Queensland Athletics, just came back from representing Queensland Rugby League. Mm-hmm. Um, I was went really good at both. Like I came second Australia for athletics, so I was a little bit fast. And then I um, came, you know, went really well. I played fullback for Queensland. Um, randomly one day, because um, I lived across the road from the footy oval, I saw a bunch of Cowboys people. They had Cowboys clothes on, Cowboys shirts, Cowboys hats. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. As you do, you just walk across the oval, seeing what's going on. This is usual from the everyday kids kicking the footy around. Yeah. And um, it was a man by the name of Christian Wolf. He's the development, or uh, was the development officer at the time for North Queensland Cowboys, and he's yeah. now the 
current uh, St. Helens coach over in the Super League. So, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, Wolfie was there and we was with a few other um, people there, which, you know, pretty, funny enough that I've known them all throughout my life, like our fellow teachers or fellow people I've known in rugby league. But yeah. they would come up to the Torres Strait and they were just doing a bit of a development camp. Um, and they were just doing a bit of, you know, just, you know, they got out, they made sure they did some skills and stuff within the Torres Strait. For them, it was probably a cruisy holidays for a lot of us kids who was, you know, it's the Cowboys. It's pretty cool. It's Christmas. <laughs> exactly. So I walked across the Oval and I was like, oh, what's going on here? And my HBE teacher was there at the time and he's like, oh, you know, Wolfie, this kid here just made Queensland. And they're like, ah, oh, no one makes Queensland up here. And then I was like, yeah, no, I did, sir. And they're like, oh, that's pretty cool. We'll give you a shirt. So they gave me a shirt. And they said, um, we're here for two days. When you come back tomorrow, we're doing some more training stuff tomorrow. So I went home. My mum got this pretty cool shirt. Um, next day, I wore a shirt, went across to the Oval. Um, at the time, I was 12 years old. And we had about, yeah, 15 to 18-year-olds. We're doing this development camp. Mm-hmm. And I went across the footy oval and um, I remember like I was I was obviously young, like I was like some of them were like six years old than me, and we had like a bit of a you know skills and did some of the plays and stuff like that. And I listed all these older kids that were older than me and they were trying to smash me. I did all this other stuff. And um, from there it was funny, I went home and then this was probably the Thursday on the Friday. Um, I woke up in Christian Wolf's in the house with me and I was like, Oh, hey, bro, like I just met yesterday. And he had ducks, he come over for breakfast and he was having a chat to mum and dad. He's like, look, I just met Tristan yesterday, but I think he's got something special. Why don't we bring him down to Townsville? And yeah, at the stage, I was like, yeah, go on then. I don't know. I don't know where Townsville is. I don't know what's doing, but um, when you come down, I'll go down to Townsville. So basically that's how I kind of transitioned from the Torres Strait into where I am um, to Townsville now. I got picked up by the Cowboys um, at, a, at a very young age, at 12 years old. And when I actually came down, my parents and my family stayed on TI. So um, wow. they remained there and I came down and I lived with Christian Wolf. So I only met him probably about a handful of times beforehand, but he's a very, very good man. You know, him and his wife, Tracy, they looked after me for numerous years. They have kids and I put them in as my little brothers and sisters. So, um, you know, I was very grateful that this man, Christian Wolf, saw something in me at a football oval on TI, which changed my life since. And, um, that's how I kind of transitioned down to Townsville was I was got picked up by them. Uh, when I came down to Townsville, I went to a school called Ignatius Park College. So for people listening at, in Townsville, um, it's an all boys uh, secondary school. It's under the um, Edmund Rice banner. So it's kind of like a Christian school, not so much tied up with the Catholic system in here, but it's for the Christian, Christian brothers. Um, so I went to this school and for anyone in Townsville, Iggy Park or Ignatius Park is a prestigious, like pretty deadly. Um, you know, you got to be, um, you got to be pretty good to be going there, I guess. Or you know, if you go there, you know, you want to change your life or do something better. So mm-hmm. um, here I was, a skinny kid from TI. I come down and I made the move, uh, and I made the big choice to leave my parents behind, leave my island behind, leave my culture behind, leave all my friends behind. You know, I had to learn a new language, all this stuff, just to chase a rugby league dream live with a man I've only met a few times and go to the school called Ignatius Park, which, yeah, is pretty, pretty good school. Okay. So talk me through, like, what, what happened through school? Did you make more rep teams? Did you, were you training, were you training in a development squad or like what happened from there? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, so when I came down to Iggy, um, 
like obviously first it was a big culture shock like I said before like I left my island behind left my family friends um, I could barely speak English because they speak um, Creole up there or traditional language so English is my third language um, I could barely speak that I didn't really know anyone um, and well I remember actually I remember I'll tell this story but my first day of school uh, my parents came down with me to Townsville when they left and they dropped me off I remember I was crying in the car in the front of the school and they're like oh they're like um, I was crying and they're like well what do you want to be here for and I said oh for better education and and they said, yeah, that's good, that's good. So, you know, you're doing us proud. So then I left, I hopped out of the car, went to the class, um, I was still crying. Uh, we had our role marking class, whatever it's called. And then the very first class I had uh, was in an art room and it was on the other side of the school. So I've never been to this school before. That was probably the first time I ever got there. I couldn't speak English. I didn't know, have any friends. So I didn't know where I was going. I ended up eventually finding the classroom. And then I remember as soon as I walk in, the teacher, who's obviously a good mate of mine today, but he was trying to stamp his authority. He's like, you're late, you've got detention. And I was like, oh. Oh, <laughs> so now, no. It was rough. So I, um, <gasps> I try, like, honestly, I'll, at that moment, I wanted to quit. I wanted to walk out of school, go to the airport and catch the flight back home from that. Um, that I never did because, you know, that was just part of the journey. That was just part of the reason why I wanted to be there. No matter how hard it was, it was always going to be tough. But I didn't think it'd be tough from the get-go in the first 15 minutes on the first day. So wow. um, I love that story. And he's a good mate of mine now today, our teacher. And he's like, oh, I never did that. I'm like, you did, bro. You actually did. <laughs> so um, throughout school, I kind of molded myself into the man I am today. Like I didn't know any teachers. I had no friends. I couldn't speak English. I basically had no clue. I was going to you know last and survive but um a school got on you know I you know can play rugby league like I said I love rugby league so rugby league was like my um you know, my saving grace no matter what happened if I was had a bad day if I was you know not doing well in school at least I'd probably train that afternoon or whatnot so um you know, I love rugby league my athletics probably I didn't do as much anymore because Iggy mm -hmm. Park is a really big rugby league school so yeah didn't really do as much athletics slash I started to give that back and I just wanted to use my speed on the free field so I continued to make rep teams from Queensland, Queensland teams all the way up into you know 15 stuff like that continued to live with Christian Wolf um who's a good man and then um, when I was 16 years old he got offered um to be the assistant coach at Brisbane Broncos under oh, yeah. Christian Wolf did so still with the Brizzy um, and because he was moving to Brisbane with his family, mum and dad moved down from Torres Strait in Um, It was awesome. I had my family there. They put my younger sister through St. Margaret Mary's. My older brother went to Abigail College up in Ingham. So mm -hmm. we were all kind of in the Catholic system. Within the yeah. I continued to, yeah, play rugby league. Loved it. But probably the more thing I enjoyed the most was, I guess, growing as a person, growing as a man and growing out of my shell from like a shy little skinny boy to like now a confident outgoing uh, leader if I'm among my peers. So that's what I kind of loved the most was, um, you know, I've got a lot of memories at Iggy Park um, within the rugby league system, but I, my most proudest memories now are probably just hanging out with my good mates and a lot of them are the indigenous boys of the college. And a lot of them is why I do what I do today. I just give back to, you know, Aboriginal and Torres Strait people across the whole of Australia. So. So what ended up happening with the Cowboys? 
So I kept playing with the Cowboys, yeah. So um, I kicked on into continued to make teams, um, rep teams all the way through. And then when I was about 17 years old, um, I remember it vividly that someone had was running on my right side. So I went to tackle this way, but he stepped back like and didn't put me off guard. Went to tackle my left shoulder and I dislocated my left shoulder. It was in a carnival. We were playing for North Queensland school boys. So if anyone knows that, like that's a three or four day carnival. So yeah. I did on the very first day and I was like, no, I don't want to. I don't want to sit out. So I, it was obviously not good. <laughs> like I was cooked. I couldn't really do much. Couldn't really lift my arm up. Couldn't really oh, do anything. No. I had to pass physical tests and I, you know, faked it so hard. I was like, yeah, no, sweet coach. It's sweet. Put me out there. But I was nowhere near hundred percent. So um, that was on day one. And by the time day five came, like I just, I was cooked. I couldn't really do anything with my shoulder, with my whole arm. Um, I was very badly injured. So it was all of that. I kind of, that was like earlier on in the season. So throughout the whole year, uh, when I was 17 years old, I was playing for busted shoulder. As you do, my performances are kind of slipping. I was end up getting injuries in other places. And what happened with the Cowboys um, didn't re-sign me going into um, when I finished school. So 2014, this was. So 2013 was the year I had all these injuries. So um, like I look back now, I was pretty devastated, but at the end of the day too, I was, you know, proud of what I achieved. Like I didn't retire, but I was too proud of what I had that year. Um, we run yeah. some pretty amazing things. Some of my best mates now play NRL, you know, like Colin S, he's a good mate of mine, mm-hmm. Valentine Holmes, you know, all the boys I come through the Iggy Park system. Um, you know, Iggy and Kerwin have a big rivalry. Kerwin High had Brandon Smith who played Colin Holmes. So there's a lot of boys that I played at played with that are now running around the NRL which is good so um, even though I didn't make it I got a lot, of, a lot of love and a lot of praise for those lads so um, you know that's just another part of my story is that injuries happen and you've always got to have a backup plan which I'm glad um, I did because I, at the end of the day I still want to be a rugby league player but now I'd grown so much as a person that I kind of wanted to give back um, there's the one thing that Iggy's always told me is that it's good to give back to you know the community to your people to people who have come before you to just it's good back to give to give back to everyone so um you know I had an idea of becoming a teacher you know I had a few pretty pretty cool influential teachers at school so I was like you know what I want to be like them I want to be something like that I want to be pretty cruise like them so um that's what I did I'm glad I um I never made it you know into the cowboy system I never made it but I passed and went on to anything else but um I'm glad I had a backup plan to um you know, do my bachelor in education. So right now you're you're mentoring a group in the Indigenous Marathon project. Yeah. Can you tell me how how did you how did you get into that? How did you become part of it? What's it and you know what's it mean to you to to you know be inspiring other people and and running a marathon? (laughs) (laughs) Um yeah it's good it's full on but you know Marathon's hard. It's and running full stop is hard. I hate running. I still hate running, even though I'm two weeks out from running a marathon. Um, oh, you're two weeks. It's in two weeks time. <laughs> October twenty third, and anyone listening now, it's October eighth. So there's fifteen days. So this time, so tomorrow, two weeks. We're on. Wow. So, um, I'll take you back to the beginning. Um, after well, after school, I kind of got you know, I uh, didn't like I, as I didn't really make it of cowboys I turned a lot to you know alcohol and 
you know, eating unhealthy and stuff like that. Stuff that I couldn't do when I was training really hard and I had a goal to make Cowboys. So, you know, I was about 98 kilos when I um, left school. And I was an outside back, like a center winger, like a fast, you know, solid one. And, um, you know, a lot of, you know, the, over the next few a few years, I suffered a lot with, you know, mental health issues. I suffered a lot with, um, you know, alcoholism, alcoholism, all that type of stuff. So um, for about a three, four year period, I put on so much weight eh, and I got to about 150 kilos was what I got to. Um, and then um, I just looked, I remember one day I looked in the mirror, I said, bro, what is what's doing here? So then I started to get back on a health journey. I just started to eat better go to the gym every now and then do little things here and there so um i joined the boot camp and the boot camp helped me lose heaps of weight as well which is pretty good so i was yeah. still about 120 um yeah. but i was bigger i was you know i was fitter than what i was once was um but you know still sometimes people would like come up and be like i just hated like you know i was doing really well in life at that time too like i had a really good job um you know i had a really nice car like little things like that but whenever people would see me they'd be like oh bro you put on so much weight so like little things like that it's annoying because they don't really care about everything else you're doing they just look at your appearance mm -hmm. um so um yeah that's story for another day <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but yeah i just kind of started to enjoy doing fitness, physical stuff and doing fitness so um you know, when I was at my heaviest, I stopped playing rugby league. When I got down to about 120, I started to play it again. I started to enjoy it. I didn't really want to do it for contracts or stuff. I just loved playing with my older brother. I loved playing with my family, my cousins and all that. My dad was my coach at some one stage. You know, um, one team that had my older brother with me. I had my, all my other cousins in the team. So um, we just played it for a local A-grade team in Townsville. And we just, we just, I just did it because I just loved the game of rugby league again. So... Um, I continued to play rugby league and um, in 2019, uh, my older cousin, um, he is from TI as well, from Fraser Island as well. So he um, applied for this program called the Indigenous Marathon Project. I don't know if you can see that. Yeah, yeah. Um, he trained up to run a marathon. And at the time, I remember all us boys were like, kind of like taking the piss out of him. We we're like, bro, what are you doing that for? Like running's and hard. Cause we come from a footy background where yeah. running it's preseason and we're getting flogged. Yeah. So we were like, Neil, what are you doing that for, bro? Like, you know, we're big known. What do you want to do it? Which is kind of like a crab in the bucket syndrome to have. We should have been given praise, but he's like, he would stay pretty confident. He's like, yeah. no, nah, I made this program. And we didn't know at the time, but he had made the Indigenous Marathon Project and I didn't know much about the program. All I knew is he got in. And then the end goal for him was he ran the New York Marathon. Oh, wow, cool. In November in 2019. So that was pretty cool. And I was after that, I started to, like, up towards the end of the journey, I was like, yeah, no, this is actually a pretty good follow. And I started to support him. Didn't really know much about the program. Didn't really know what was doing. And I just knew that he got in, ran a lot, and then ran a marathon in New York. And he got a free trip to New York. And I was like, bro, that seems mad. Wow. Um, who knew? I didn't know anything else throughout his journey, but that was my first instance of the Indigenous Marathon Project in the Indigenous Marathon Foundation, which is founded mm -hmm. by Rob De Costello. So anyone knows, um, you know, Deeks, his nickname is, he's one of the greatest marathon runners in Australia. And he's up there and had numerous world records, you know, won Boston Olympic Games, run yeah, one New York marathon, won a lot of marathons throughout the world. So he's one of the greatest runners ever. And he's from Australia, which is awesome. So, 
So what's the purpose behind the Indigenous Marathon Project? Yeah, so it takes, I guess the Indigenous Marathon Project takes um, 12, well, we have 14 in our support. So the Indigenous Marathon Project takes 14 young Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders aged between 18 and 30 from all around Australia. And they go from zero to running a marathon in six months. So, wow. Um, yeah, so I applied this year through Neil. Neil said, yeah, hey, bro, you know, Indigenous Marathon Project's open. Um, applications open this year. Why don't you have a go? And at the time, early in the year, you know, I had a rough um, period. I'd just broken up with my long-term partner. I wasn't really doing much. And I was like, yeah, why not, bro? Like, there's nothing else doing in my life. Why not just apply? Um, I hated running, so I was like, yeah, I'll just apply and hopefully I don't get in because it means I have to run. <laughs> um, so I... I remember uh, they were, so they travel all around Australia to do trials everywhere. Well, the first one they had was Canberra, they made their way all the way up the East Coast. And this is about March this year, where they um, they were Uncle Rob, Rob DiCostello, and the current coach, okay. Damien yeah. Tuck. Yeah, the current coach, Damien Tuck, they came to Townsville. And Neil, the day before, said, hey, bro, applications are still open when you do it. And I was like, yeah, why not? So I was at work board one time, I logged on put yeah. on um, my application. Can't remember what I said. I just remembered I winged it and wrote as really good as I could. Yeah. Um, and the next day was the trial. I rock up to the trial and they're like, okay, we're just going to go for a 5K run. <clears throat> I ate running. So I was like, oh yeah, sounds good. Sounds good. Well, let's do it. <laughs> I remember during that 5K run, all we did for people who live in towns was we ran around Anzac Park five times. So it's kind of like okay, so. <laughs> We ran around there five times, but I think it's a bit more. So we end up running about 5.4, 5.3. It doesn't I don't really matter. But during those 5.3 um, Ks, I stopped three times. Mm-hmm. Um, I had two other amazing support runners with me who are now two of my best mates. And they're like, no, mate, you're going really well. They had just run like 10 Ks early that morning. And I felt bad because they were running with me really slowly. And they were <laughs> chatting away and having a good time. and saying, hey, you, you were there. <laughs> Dying. <laughs> so I was dying um and then yeah I, I remember the 5k mark was halfway around Anzac Park and they're like what do you want to do do you want to stop or do you want to keep going I was like no it's just there I can see them I don't know I'll just run to there so I ran around the end and I remember the coach saying wow mate you know you didn't even pull up you you could have pulled up back there but you kept running I was like and then in my head I was like, yeah you know I did um like so that kind of flipped the switch at you know running is it's okay it's not too bad it's not as bad as I thought it is so we um we had that we did the 5k run I remember we go over to a park bench on the strand and he sits down with me and he's like oh I'm just gonna have a bit of a chat we'll do a bit of an interview I didn't know I had no idea there was an interview so I was corked I was like oh yeah I didn't even know um what I was saying in the interview but I remember he said hey you've got a really good application me scratching my head that I've done it the day before like yeah no thanks eh? I've worked really hard on it and I winged it in about 10 minutes so um, yeah you know it's just funny how it all came um and then they said look you went really well we'll be in touch and then they headed off to Cairns for the next trials this was about March um so about May about May um my like Neil Neil so he's important in my story so Neil um 
me and him have now founded the Townsville Indigenous Deadly Runners group. So, um, oh, so amazing. In Townsville, every Saturday we meet at a spot and we just get, you know, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people of all ages, younger kids, our oldest lady, she's 80 and she just comes for like a 10 minute walk. So wow. Use her as inspiration on you, Jackie. So if I need Jackie, you go and do a walk and, you know, you can come and join us too. So yeah, um, we, we founded that and uh, it was in May, we, um, they asked us to go down to Canberra for Deadly Runners Symposium. So um, it's all part of that Indigenous Marathon Foundation brand. They got all the deadly run leaders from all over Australia. So Canberra, South Australia, Brizzy, Darwin, you know, up in the Torres Strait, Open Broom, everywhere to meet in Canberra just to catch up. Everyone else knew each other um, except me because Neil ended up pulling out. So I went down solo to fly the towns of flag. So everyone else kind of knew each other. I was a bit, you know, awkward. I was like the one that left out. But I was like, oh, you know what? It's, it's cool. I'm outgoing. So it doesn't matter. The very first day to symposium, Uncle Rob, Robby Costella, he, um, he's given a big spiel about an Indigenous Marathon project for this year. You know, we've had you know, heaps of really good applicants all across. You know, we had some so many good women that we couldn't split it. We usually take tw 12, so six boys, six girls, but we're taking eight girls. He's given us this big spiel. We're going to, you know, do Sydney City to Surf. We're going to do all this. We're going over Kakadu and run the Kakadu National Park. Oh, yeah. Give everyone a big spiel about um, an Indigenous Marathon project. I had applied, but I had no, I hadn't found out anything. So I didn't even know what was going on. So I'm sitting in the front row, like, oh yeah. Like I obviously didn't get in because he's having a big yarn um, <laughs> about it. And he did not make eye contact with me once. And he's saying how good the boys, um, how amazing the males are, how amazing the females are. And I was like, oh, well, I haven't, I haven't got in because I haven't heard. And I would have heard something. And it was kind of like a bit of a random experience, but at the time when Uncle Rob was giving his big spiel, I was sitting like this and I was like, oh, I didn't get it. And I got a text message to my watch beep and I went like that and I looked down and it was the coach, Damien Tuck, and said, hey, mate, I heard you're in Canberra. You want to catch up for coffee? And I was like, oh, my God. I mean. <laughs> so I kind of thought I was in, but I was like, you know what? I'm not too sure. So... Maybe trying to play cool. Yeah, sounds good. We're in Canberra. Can yeah. catch up whenever you're free. <laughs> um, but same time, I was like, I wanted to know right then and right now. Yeah, tell me. Just tell me. He's like, yeah, <laughs> well, I'll catch up this afternoon. I'll come around to um, where your conference was and we'll catch up. I was like, yeah, sure. We'll see you then. I was stressing the whole day. I was peaking because I within these deadly run leaders, so all the people that run all the deadly runners across Australia were previous grads, so graduates from last year, graduates from you know, all the years that have gone by because it's been going yeah. since 2010. Um, so they were like, oh, yeah, we can't wait to see you made into IMP this year. We can't wait to see who's in the project this year, see if we know anyone. And I'm just like, yeah, yeah me too. I can't wait. <laughs> I didn't tell anyone I applied because, you know, it would have been shame if I Aww. get in. So... Yeah. Anyway, long story short, met up with coach. He tried to do the old, you know, you've had a lot of, you had a lot of applicants this year. We had about 400, you know, only 12 get in. He asked me how the weather was in Canberra and coming from towns. I was like, yeah, it sucks. It's cold. And he's like, oh, look, that's a shame, mate, because you're going to hate it even more when you come back, um, you know, in the next next few weeks for the Indigenous Marathon Project Squad because you got in and did that. And I remember I was just like, wow, this is insane. So 
Um, he did say that, you know, you can't tell anyone it's not public, so don't tell anyone. So I had to go upstairs for the next three days and lie to every single of these people. Oh. The ones that kept asking me, have you heard from Coach? Do you know who got in? What did he want to talk to you about? And I was like, I'm going to die. He oh, cancelled. Just want to have a chat. Yeah, he wanted to have a chat. He cancelled. He didn't oh. even end up going. I just went to Kmart and got some clothes. So um, I had to just, I had to build lie upon lie upon lie. Um until the end of the symposium where it kind of got made public knowledge I got in. So um, it's a pretty big thing. Like to put it in context, about four or 500 people apply every year. Wow. Um, they only choose 12 within Australia. So nationwide uh, between 18 to 30 year olds. Like it's a pretty important thing. Um, this has been going since 2010, what I've done. Um, and even once you're in, you're not guaranteed. You still got to work hard. You still got to show commitment to your sport. You got to do all the training leading up to the marathon. So, um, in, in the Indigenous Marathon Project, once you cross the finish line, you get a graduate number. So there's 109 grads. Yeah. 109 that have crossed the finish line of a marathon, which means what there's 109 it? Aboriginal and Torres Strait people in the Australia. Have done it. What does it mean to you to be part of it? Oh, it's everything. Like. Um, yeah, it's a good question, but um, it it's it's really special. Um, you know, I'm pretty outgoing and pretty, you know, pretty. I love a laugh and I love a joke, but you know, at the end of the day, I'm a pretty humble kid, and for me, it means a lot because it's all the effort and work that my parents put into raising me into a young man. It's all the effort I put in as a teenager, moving away from home. It's all the effort I put in. Um, from being 150 kilos to you know, drop in weight just to get out on a reasonable distance to go running and now mm-hmm. to be getting in it's it means a lot like it doesn't it means a lot for me but I'm sure the the most thing that I'm, I'm proud of the most is that it means a lot to the people around me you know all my good friends my mates my family members my nana you know she's 78 and she loves the fact that I'm in she we go to the shop to tell people I'm running a marathon but that, you know, it means a lot for me, but for them and for everyone else, that's why I do it because I don't want to let them down. I don't want to let everyone who's supporting me down. I don't want to let all my friends and my family down. So, you know, for me, I'm just running. I'm suffering a little bit, but for everyone else, you know, it's an incredible journey, which everyone's seen me go through over the last six months. So, yeah. Well, Tristan, it sounds like you've, um, there's a really strong connection to your heritage and your culture and I'm sure we're going to see so much more from you in the future. And it's like, it's, I feel like this is your starting point. This is, this is kind of your platform that, that you'll, you'll launch from. And, and I think there's really big things coming for you. So well done. Thank you. To, to go from where you've, where you've come from to, to where you are now, that's, that's an, in, and still being so young, um, you know, you, you've already been on, one amazing journey and and yeah it's exciting to see what's what's coming up for you in the future and maybe we can catch up again in you know 12 months and see what's been happening for you over that time and I think you'll have a lot more stories to tell us hopefully I've got a few more stories about the marathon hopefully I've gone hopefully I've done more people proud so I think that's just the main thing I'm doing it is that you know even though I'm going to be the one dying you know I'm doing it for the people of Toast Strait I'm doing it (laughs) or you know my family my friends I'm doing it for people like you that you know support the journey I'm just doing it for everyone else um it's been pretty amazing but you know we're two weeks out so I'm loving every second of it and in two weeks time I'll be Indigenous Marathon Project graduate 
You will. And please let us know how you go. We'll, we'll keep everyone posted on your, um, on your result at the end of it. And uh, we'll be, um, we'll be cheering for you from our, you know, from our Facebook feed when we find out. We... <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah, giving you a, a thumbs up and well thank done. You. And thank you so much for your time and sharing, you know, a, a bit of your journey with us all. Thank you. Thank you. Really appreciate it. And thanks. My well, there you have it. Yet another inspirational and motivational story that we were able to share with you. Please don't keep us a secret. Share, share the love across all of the social media platforms. The more the merrier, if we can get the message out to as many people as possible, then we can inspire and motivate as many people as possible. Really hope you enjoyed today's episode and look forward to sharing another one with you next time.